following podcast represents the perspectives of the host and our guests. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast are our own and do not represent those of our places of work. Hello and welcome to another episode of Parcels of Info, an NDC podcast, our most efficient way to deliver parcels of valuable information straight to the healthcare supply chain. I'm Liz, and today we have a very important guest on the podcast, Thomas D. Schwederman. Uh, He's an MD, he's a board-certified physician who continues to practice part-time and is also the vice president of clinical affairs and the chief medical officer for Midmark Corporation. Welcome to Parcels of Info, Dr. Tom. Awesome to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Today's topic is the impact of telehealth and what's ahead for in-person patient-physician interactions. So, you know, really how telehealth is affecting the future of in-person patient-physician interactions. So let's begin by, you know, just talking about the overview. What, Dr. Tom, what do you expect the future to look like as it relates to these in-person patient-physician interactions? One thing I've, I've seen in the marketplace that has me intrigued is that there is a perception that telehealth is a one-for-one replacement to the in-office visit. And uh, I just don't believe that. What actuality is happening is that telemedicine is a new tool that's being implemented in, in ways that are the most efficient and effective way for that patient to receive care. And the inpatient visit is not not only not going away. In fact, we anticipate it to go up in, in volume as the time goes forward. And the telehealth really is a fill-in, fill-out scenario for that care management. And it's a really effective, efficient way to optimize that point-of-care experience. I really noticed that as a uh, patient myself, uh, as soon as telehealth started becoming a thing last year, it really, for those short physician um, appointments that you don't need to be in person, it really does help, I'm sure, helps my life, the efficiency of the doctor's life, very beneficial as a tool, like you said. Yeah, it's fascinating. As a physician, there's been so much time of development with respect to imaging, new laboratory tests, new ability to make diagnoses and make care planning effective. And if you think about that physical exam, that need to physically touch the patient, it's still there, but there's so many new modalities out there that give you that information you critically need to make a good decision on a patient. And in some respects, that physical exam component has become perhaps a little less uh, required on, on many cases. And what we're doing now with telemedicine is really optimizing what are all the tools we have and how can we most effectively deploy them so that patients can get a very quick, effective answer to their clinical problem. And the doctors, time and staff and infrastructure can be used at its most fullest uh, benefit. Uh, in fact, one thing we're seeing is is anticipating that the clinical space is going to get, pardon the phrase, but more clinical. It's going to get more intensive in its its types of care, its rendering. And we see that those visits that go on face-to-face are usually going to be a little more complex, more procedural. There's going to be more things required at that point of care. And the telehealth is just going to be a very powerful augmentative force. So I, I'm bullish on the point of care as it as it stands. Uh, but I'm also bullshit telemedicine. I think it's just going to be a, a mix of modalities that, that work together in a very cohesive, synergistic way. Was it challenging at the beginning of the pandemic to adjust to all the new telemedicine avenues that we're, we're seeing? Absolutely. And in, in fact, there's also a misnomer that it was the young physicians, the brand new ones who would be the, the least effective at it. 
are the most effective at it, I should say, and the older ones would be more difficult uh, to, to adapt. But what, what we found is that these physicians who have a broad depth of experience in patient care could quickly adapt to this new modality because they just have a, a gut inner sense of what that patient's uh, problem is all about. And it took a catalyst, like a, a, a major event, like a pandemic, to force this into play. And it's really quite remarkable when you look back. We went from, what, 10 or 9 or at most telemedicine visit percentage-wise at, at the best-case scenario to 80%, 90%. And the technology didn't even hiccup. It, it worked beautifully, almost uh, at scale, and you just think about how critical that was to our successful navigation of this horrible event. So the technology was there. The patients were capable and willing because they've done in other industries. And all of a sudden now, the patients and physicians' perceptions have shifted from, well, maybe to, well, heck, yeah, we're going to use this modality. One of the things that we found also is that the uh, physicians were expected to have some reservations and pushback actually became champions of the technology. They realized very quickly after working with us for weeks that this is indeed a powerful tool that can be useful for uh, the long term. Absolutely. It's incredible to see what this past year has done, year plus, should I, I should say, has done in terms of um, remote care. But before we uh, get deep into the virtualization of care topic, I just wanted to also touch on uh, your opinion of how COVID has changed the landscape for ambulatory care. Yeah. Um, I, I, one thing I've coached people up a lot in the industry is that, you know, patients are always watching every turn, everything that's happening in that point of care. I mean, your, your, your health is a very personal issue for you, and it's something that's of high, of high concern, of course. So the minute that patient walks into that ambulatory environment, they are perceiving what's going on. Is there a good team around this physician or or PA? Do they know what they're doing? Are they doing the proper techniques? Um, You're simply on stage the entire way. And so COVID has fundamentally changed the perceptions of infection management and um, making sure that the when they walk in that office, they want to feel safe. They want to feel heard. They want to feel like they are given the right you know, uh, ex- opportunities to express what they're what they're worried about. So, yeah, COVID has changed this from a nice to have infection prevention protocols to a must have. Not just because it's a pandemic and we all need to be doing these things, but because now these patients are schooled and educated. They know exactly if you're not following protocol. They know exactly if you're not properly, you know, putting people in the right uh, context awareness of other of other patients. So, you know, things like the waiting room, it's just, do we really need this thing? Can we do something a little more creative to keep people from sitting next to each other in a, at, the, at a point of care? Uh, things like team management, do we need, can we optimize the staff members so that they are very much, uh, you know, one-to-one with the patient so we can avoid three or four staff members coming in play? And of course, the telemedicine, does that patient need to be here at all? Can we do it through a virtual channel? So, I do think this is going to fundamentally change ambulatory care. And honestly, I think it's for the better. I agree. It just, you know, seems like we've had this technology for a while, but pandemic just forced us to use it. And now we're realizing how much more efficient everything is. It's great. Yeah. And and, and the payers, 
the payers were scared to death. Uh, they always are scared to death. When you introduce something new to the industry, to the industry, the medical industry, physicians are businessmen too. I mean, they, they will take advantage of a new coding opportunity uh, to, to drive revenue. And so they were scared to death at the both this new telehealth liberties that they were granting were going to kind of, you know, go out of control and be, you know, overly utilized. What they found is that it didn't happen, that the physicians were actually fairly modest in governing when it was appropriate to have this useful used. And then the federal government, SEMA Verma and the HHS and CMS figured out very quickly that this is this is something that could be very helpful to them because if you continuously care for that patient in a virtual manner, there's a real good possibility you're going to be on top of a medical issue sooner and avoid hospitalizations and emergency room visits. So the, the equation all started to sort of fall into place. It's, it became a, a fairly well-regulated, utilized solution amongst the health systems. And on top of it, they started to realize the benefits could outweigh the potential increased cost. And that's where we're starting to see this remote patient management thing kind of come right on the heels of telemedicine with technologies that allow us to sense what patients are doing clinically at home. And this gives up all kinds of new opportunities, aging in place opportunities and avoiding contacts of, of people who are at risk. It just, you just see this kind of ecosystem developing where telehealth now is just part of a much bigger scenario. And now the CMS reimbursement picture has shifted to more towards value and caring less about what was done, but rather what the outcome was, we're starting to see now all of these kind of vectors that were driving towards this path all starting to, to fall in line. It's it's really a, co it's not just one thing. It's not just a COVID and we have to do telehealth. It's COVID, it's reimbursement, it's patient perception, it's physician perception, it's the advent of remote patient monitoring. All of a sudden this perfect storm is formed where I think this is just going to be the norm of our world as we go forward. I'm looking forward to it because it's making everyone's life easier, definitely. So Dr. Tom, uh, your answer right there pretty much uh, summarized the question I'm about to ask, but as we move into this future of virtualization of care, telemedicine and, and remote care are now at the forefront of how we experience healthcare in 2021. What other ways would you say that telehealth proved to be essential to sustaining care during the pandemic as far as maybe sustaining practice revenues? Well, I, I think first off, when they gave the full liberty that a phone call and a virtual face-to-face -face visit were equivalent in, in many respects to the reimbursement path, that was a very, you can't think of a bigger catalyst to make something uh, go forward with that. Uh, there are a lot of indications, however, that uh, they realize that the overhead associated with a virtual visit is far less, probably half or less than what you would have in an inpatient visit. So there's every anticipation that we're going to start seeing this uh, virtual care reimbursement decline uh, to something more more normalized. But um, I, I don't think it's going to go down to a point where it's, it's, it's devalued. I think it's going to still be a very profitable component. In fact, you know, one of the groups I follow closely, the advisory board, is is talking very seriously to their many hundreds of clients saying, this is something you need to get ready for. Medical Economics had an interesting article that said, this is a very significant revenue gain for you physicians. You should be doing this because it is a very efficient. You can leverage three or four or five virtual visits in a matter of 
of, a, of, of several minutes because you can just get things done much more efficiently instead of physically moving. The patients are brought to you and you're brought to the patient in a very clean way. So I, I think what we're going to start seeing, though, is this understanding that the marriage between the fit virtual and the physical worlds are going to become much cleaner and much more uh, consistent across the country. And uh, I'll give you an example why I think that's the case. When you look back on what happened during the pandemic, there were two groups or two two, peop, two uh, setups that were trying to experience this thing for the first time. And one was the fee-for-service world that was very much attuned to the face-to-face visit. And the other was the value world, which was more into tune of preventing uh, you know, bad events and lowering uh, adverse outcomes. And what they found when they looked at the telehealth adoption, it's those people that were in the value world that just did it better. They, they understood what was needed. They were ready for it. They were already utilizing it prior to the pandemic. And they found themselves to be like a natural step forward for them to keep going, if not get broader. The, the group that I think needs going to going to need to really step up their game is a pure fee for service world. You still have the transactional model medicine in their head versus this value care management world. So I, at the end of the day, it's an accelerant to what was already happening. Um, you know, many companies are not saying we've got to change our strategy. Most companies are saying we've got to speed it up, and, and we've got to get get our products and our solutions out there faster. Um, so. If, if I were to translate to what a distributor or a distributor rep would want to know with this, you're just going to have to understand the new value world and how your value propositions for your products fit in that world. And that requires you to be a little more clinical. You're going to need to know that this product will help improve care in this way, lower infections, reduce hospitalizations, improve the ability for the patient to stay at home longer. If you understand those contexts, you're going to have a very rich future in your in your world of, of being a vendor or distributor rep because you're going to know what matters to the clinician. And I'm excited about that. As a clinician, that puts you into my game. I, I'm more responsible for keeping you out of the hospital and keeping you healthy. If you come in and tell me how you're going to help me do that, I am all ears because that is a really uh, powerful message for me. It's really important to be able to adapt and adjust to these uh, new changes in the field, definitely. Dr. Tom, what's to become of the point of care with all these new infection prevention mandates? We've got the rapidly expanding virtual care, and then um, as well as the payer base that's eager to drive better outcomes at these lower costs. As I said, I, I would a simple way to say it is the clinical space in the ambulatory world is going to become more clinical. Um, you're going to have a, a more sophisticated approach to disease care where you're going to have a coordination between not just uh, the technology you use, whether it's remote patient sensors like wearables, whether it's virtual visits uh, in between the physical visits, and then your point of care visits that are going to happen face-to-face. It's probably going to be more of a team dynamic. You're going to see a more sophisticated approach to, okay, what are the pharmaceutical agents you're on? And should we have a pharmacy consult? Should we have a diabetic educator come talk to you? Do we need to have social services help to help you kind of manage this whole, whole scenario? And a lot of those in a larger system may come face-to-face. Others may be virtual. So you could have this interesting hybrid where you're visiting your doctor physically and he's checking you out and doing the physical findings and, and procedures. And then all of a sudden, you're virtually in the office talking to your 
the pharmaceutical uh, specialist to help you manage your, your prescriptions. So I think it's going to be a, a much more sophisticated environment and one where I think the, the, the types of products and solutions that go in an environment, frankly, are going to feel a little bit more like a hospital because you're going to have these mixed modalities that come in and the attention to details on infection prevention, the attention to detail on making sure that patient gets in and out as quickly as possible to avoid any contacts with others. Uh, you're going to see uh, apps being prescribed to patients so that when they go home, you have a constant stream of information. And the beauty of all this is your systems, I think, have a much bigger profit opportunity with success in this model because right now the average health system is at about 1.5 or 2% margin in a good day. In a value-based world, we're talking 6, 7, 8% margin. So if, if they're good at what they do and keeping people healthy at lower cost, the, the, the amount of, of revenue coming to be used on new products and services is going to be quite exciting. It's all flip still happening in real time. And uh, I just think now's the time where you start prepping for that new world. Great point. There's no better time than now to get on top of this and improve uh, physician-patient interactions moving forward. Um, and especially with this expanded role of remote care, it's just such a critical new tool within the clinic. Just want to emphasize again, it, it's, 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 there's some worry I hear inside the industry that uh, the ambulatory world is going to give way and Frankly, at the beginning of the pandemic, I remember seeing statistics where, you know, half the visits are going to completely go virtual. What we're seeing is probably between 15 and 20 percent, 25 maybe over the course of the next year or two. Uh, but honestly, after that, it's going to grow again because as the modalities for remote care become more sophisticated, whether it's in-home care, sensors and the telemedicine suites become more capable, that's only going to go up. And I think the clinical space, the face-to-face -face visit is going to become reserved for those more significant encounters. Uh, I don't, we still think there's going to be a growth in the ambulatory uh, care environment. You know, the gray tsunami is still about to hit us, is still hitting us, I should say. And I think um, over time, it's just, I think there's going to be more interactions with your care team because uh, frankly, the U.S. has done a lousy job uh, of handling chronic disease. We're, we're not near the top of the list in the world of, of effective countries. And I'm pretty optimistic that with this new technology in our midst and the value-based reimbursement to kind of go with it, I think we're going we're gonna to see significant improvement. You're just not going to accept a COPD or coming to the hospital every two months. It's just not going to happen because nobody benefits in that game in the future, whereas a lot of people benefit from it now. Right. And the effectiveness of these new tools, you know, for a lot of them, we're in the first you know, year of really using them. So imagine five years down the road, how awesome it's going to be. It, it, it's uh, it's very similar to the Internet. Um, yes. You logged in early. I am old enough to remember the, the old sound of the modem as it logged in. And it took me an hour or two to download a you know, 30 megabyte file. Now you do that in 20 seconds or 10 seconds. It's it's the similar scenario where comfort and necessity breeds innovation. And all of a sudden now we're gonna say, you know, why not? Why would I need to see you in my office for a blood pressure check when I've been watching your blood pressure for every week for the last two months? I don't need to see you, you're fine. Uh, and why occupy my time? Uh, whereas in the past, I was a revenue generator. 
in the future, it's going to be a cost center. It's like, I can't afford to see you in the office because I need that time for that really complex visit. I got to do a biopsy of this person's skin lesion because, um, and the other thing I'll tell you what I think is going to happen with the future is I think uh, these ambulatory environments, primary care is going to get a resurgence of sophistication. I, I We're just not going to be sending everybody to specialists for all these care issues. Tools, technologies, and ability for the primary care doctor to do a better job. One step beyond the, the ordinary, I think, is happening. You see it already in diabetes, where most docs who are primary care are handling fairly sophisticated care. We're not seeing, whereas in COPD and others, we're seeing a lot more quick referrals. I think that's going to start coming back. And that's good for the industry because that allows those specialists to stay specialists in the primary care world is going to need all of those tools, all those capabilities, all those products to be successful because uh, right now they they lack many of them. Right. Well, that um, brings me to my uh, one of my last questions for you. How would you say healthcare providers and patients alike can win in this whole new landscape? It's kind of a broad question. No, I, I, I concur completely. It, it, it's You have to think differently. And I, I hate to use the, the old term the paradigm shift, but it truly is a paradigm shift. It's no longer, is that product going to generate a CPT code, but is that product truly going to make a difference in this patient care and care management? If you can master that this product or this series of products is going to help you, doctor, care for these patients at lower costs and better outcomes, you're going to have, there's these docs are seeking that 6% margin. And the only way they're going to get to that 6% margin is to be successful on that clinical care. So if you have a story that fits with that, that mindset, it's, it's going to be significant. Now, your teams, if you're a distributor or distributor leadership, your teams are going to have to be up their game. Uh, it's like any other industry. You just can't sit quietly and be uh, and just keep doing the same thing. You're going to have to be a more clinically oriented company, work with your vendors to know what their clinical story is and how it's best delivered. And you're going to have to work with your customers so that they begin to trust you as a clinical thought leader, not just as a uh, uh, selling a product or, uh, that over the shelf. Right. That's a great point. So before we wrap up, I wanted to uh, give you the opportunity to share any advice you ha- may have for sales representatives or other healthcare professionals who are, you know, still trying to navigate this new landscape. Sure. Uh, business has always been about relationships. It always has been. It always will be. Your business is no different as a, as a distributor rep. Doctors and health systems may seem like they are on top of their game on everything. Uh, they, they are in some respects. In many respects, they're not. So your ability to manage a good relationship and be a good steward of that relationship to help them succeed has never been more critical. So I I think distribution and the ability for physicians to learn from you, to see what the latest and greatest products are, is an essential role that's going to not only be important today, but it's going to be really important tomorrow. And um, it's they need you as much as as you need them. So... um, I think the threat of like an internet-based uh, industry is not going to happen because this is just not like other industries. It requires heavy-duty uh, thought leadership and, and ability to sift through what's real and what's not real, and you offer that benefit to your customers. I really liked what you said there. They need you as much as you need them. This is a you know a symbiotic relationship. I hope I used that right. It's been a while since my science classes, <laughs> but um, 
it's so important to keep these relationships going. And it's just great that we have this extra tool of telemedicine to just facilitate it all. I'm bullish on the future. I think this industry is just now starting to redefine itself. And uh, I'm happy to be in healthcare, both on the clinical side and on the industry side. And uh, I'm thinking uh, there's there's a rough year for everybody last year, but I think uh, we're going to see some really exciting times in the next year or two. And I'm Look forward to uh, to riding that roller coaster with you guys. I look forward to it as well. Thank you so much, Dr. Tom, for coming on our Parcels of Info podcast. We really appreciate this awesome conversation. I learned a lot. It's really, really amazing. It was a ton of fun. Ask me again. I'd love to do it. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Parcels of Info and NDC Podcast, our most efficient way to deliver parcels of valuable information straight to the healthcare supply chain. Please subscribe on your favorite streaming platform, like, share, send to your best friends, and let us know what you think. Thanks. We'll catch you next time.